All right, all right, let's go ahead and get started, get started, find a seat. I know everybody's excited about Rihanna, shine bright like a diamond, a little Super Bowl party tonight, so uh, it's good to see you guys. Welcome to North Village Church. My name is uh, Michael. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one at the back. You, if you're new here this morning, we have these devotionals uh, that Amazon makes available for us. And uh, that's from where we are today until uh, throughout August 2023, so you can kind of see where we're going as a, as a church family. And then we have tablets we pass to the aisle. That's our way to stay connected as a church family. Geraldine, if you can help this one on the front row get started. And if you're new here this morning, feel free to, uh, you know, put as much information as you want to into the tablet or, or, or not. It's just our way to stay connected as a church family. And so uh, it's great to see you uh, here this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In the context of our passage, we're going to see God's word reminding us of the cross. We're going to see God's word reminding us that there's power in the message of the cross. That's our primary focus this morning. There's power in the message of the cross. I remember very early on, I came to faith in Jesus. I shared the gospel with somebody, and they came they, they came to faith. They, they said, yes, I want to receive Jesus into my life. But I was so new to uh, uh, Jesus that I wasn't sure I'd shared it the right way. And so I, I was like, well, let me, let me go over it again just to make sure. And so I talked about Jesus' life, Jesus' death, his resurrection. I, kinda, I kept doing it over and over. And at some point, this person, they had tears in their eyes. And they said, uh, can you just hurry up? Because <laughs> I want to I begin a relationship with Jesus. And I said, all right, okay, all right? And the reason they responded that way is because there's, there's power in the message of the cross. It obviously wasn't my uh, delivery, right? There was nothing, you know, exciting about what, what I was saying in and of myself. They were responding to the message of the cross. Uh, I remember just a, a few years ago, there was a couple who visited uh, our, our worship service on a Sunday morning, and, and we went out to lunch uh, one day, and, and they said, like, hey, just so you know up front, uh, you know, my wife and I, we don't believe anything that North Village Church teaches. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and they said, in fact, we, we openly uh, speak against the types of things that North Village Church teaches. And they said, but uh, you, you, you cannot deny there, there's, a, there's a presence of power in the room when you talk about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's because there's power in the message of the cross. Uh, even, I mean, on Monday last week, there was somebody that was telling me their story of how over the years they've kind of walked in and out of churches. You know, there's times where they've been more involved, less involved. And then they said one day they walked into another worship service. And it wasn't our worship service. It was a different worship service. And they said when they, when they left, uh, they, said, they said to each other, like, oh, we figured it out. What we've been missing all these years is being in a place where people are teaching God's word in such a way that it points us to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection because there's power in the message of the cross, right? And that's what we're going to see uh, this morning in God's word. And, and, and we're going to actually see there's two types of people that respond to the message of the cross. There are, there are those who, who consider it foolishness, and there are those who... Consider it powerful. That's what God's word is going to teach us this morning. 
for us here in the room, for those who are watching online, for, for, for all of humanity, that, that, that we hear the message of the cross and, and you're just in one or two groups. You can't be in both groups. You're not a little bit in one group and a little bit in another group, right? You can't be in neither group. You, you either are convinced that the, that the message of the cross is powerful or the message of the cross is foolishness. So let's look at it in verse 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll read, you follow along. It says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing to people in Corinth, right, that Paul's life has been transformed by the power of the cross. He's gone into the Corinthian city. He's proclaimed the name of Jesus is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. These are people that are drifting in their behavior and their beliefs so that they're seeing division and quarrels in their local church. And so Paul's response to their division and their quarrels is to point them to the cross, right? It's to lift their eyes to the message of the cross. That's why last Sunday he, he ended verse 17. He said, look, I didn't come with cleverness of speech, he said, I didn't come to try to wow the crowd. I wasn't trying to do a magic show. I came reminding you of the power of the cross. We need to remember that. Like when, when we're having gospel conversations with other people, we need to remember there is power in the message of the cross. Right? We, we walk through how to share the gospel, three circles, right? When you're, when you're walking through those three circles, right, it, it, isn't, it isn't about finding the right time. You know, we, we do that a lot. Well, I'm looking for the right moment. It's not the right time. It's not the right time, right? Sometimes we're like, well, I want to get them in the right place, right? I want to, I want to make sure they're in the right place, right? Or, or I want to say it in a right way, right? I want to say it like I want to sound smart when I say it kind of, kind of like that's going to be persuasive. And, and what he's saying in 1 Corinthians is that, that the message of the cross is so powerful. It's not about the emotional delivery or the academic delivery. It's about the power of the cross. So in verse 18, you see that in verse 18? There's, there's two types. There's those who are perishing, and there's those who are being saved. There's those who hear the message of the cross, and it's, it's the power of God. And there's those who hear the message of the cross, and it's it's a waste of time. So let's just, let's just break down verse 18, right? That phrase, the word of the cross, right? That word of the cross is loaded with goodness. We could spend the rest of our time just talking about that phrase, the word of the cross. And, and so let me just draw it out a little bit uh, for us because there's some, maybe in this room, definitely some in our city who, who will take that phrase, the word of the cross, and they just reduce it down to a good example, there's some who will just take the life of Jesus and they just focus on his love and his compassion. He's a good guy. Right? When he died on the cross, it was, as a, a model of his love uh, being put on display. And I just want to let you know, like, there is so much more than just an example of love being put on display in the cross. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. When, it, when you see the word of the cross, like we could, you, you could talk about uh, justification, you could talk about 
reconciliation, all the shuns. You could talk about redemption, sanctification, adoption. I mean, the gospel is like a diamond, right? And the word of the cross, like you hold it up and you just, the more you turn it, the more the light reflects its glory. That's all it's encompassing. But let's just, I just want to zero in on one word, the word propitiation. I thought, what word have they probably have never heard? It's the word propitiation. It comes out of Romans chapter 3. Write this in your devotional, propitiation. The word propitiation means to satisfy God's wrath. That when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just like a nice example of love. That when Jesus dies on the cross, that he is satisfying God's judgment in its totality. Right, propitiation, you could really connect it all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, when God is speaking to Adam and Eve, he says, if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. That word die in the original language is an emphatic die, die. It's a spiritual death, it's a physical death. So that when Jesus walks throughout humanity and lays himself down at the cross. Keep in mind, he willingly laid himself down at the cross. It wasn't against his will. It was for our sin. So that in that moment, when Jesus is dying on the cross, that God's wrath is being poured out for our sin. It's the die, die of Genesis chapter 2 being poured out. The cup is being emptied on Jesus at the cross. That's why there's forgiveness in Jesus. It's not a Hallmark card. It's not a sentiment. It's because Jesus has absorbed the judgment for our sin at the cross. That's just in one word, propitiation. Isn't that glorious? I hope there's a part of you, your heart beats a little bit faster when you start thinking like, I need to look up some of these words. There's so much we could talk about in the word of the cross, but that's just one part of it. And then you see that word foolishness in verse 18. That word foolishness in the original language is the word moriah. It's where we get the English word moronic. That's how strong foolishness is. That when somebody hears about the message of the cross, there's some who think it's powerful, it's the power of God, and there's some who think it's silly. It's, it's moronic. Who, who could possibly believe in the message of the cross? That's what I thought for years. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. There is a church on every corner in Dallas, Texas. I mean, they're everywhere, and they're huge. And, and I thought Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was a joke. Are you kidding it's silly. I mean, I'd seen people on TV who talked about Jesus. They were a joke. They would try to sell you a prayer cloth. I'm just like, that's, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing that people believe that type of stuff. And, 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 then, and then I would go to school with people who professed faith in Jesus, and yet they were at the same parties that I was at on the weekend. And so I thought, well, that's foolish. You have to get up early on Sunday I get to sleep in. Uh, I'm winning, right? That's the better option. It was foolishness. I mean, I remember as a teenager at the Irving Mall, there were, I think, multiple times that strangers shared the gospel with me, walked up to me, walked me through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and I remember thinking, that's silly. 
Who would believe that, right? I absolutely thought it was moronic. I mean, because think about it. First of all, somebody's claiming to be God. Crazy people make those types of claims, right? So I was like, I'm winning on this one, right? And then second, somehow you're telling me, like I understood what they were explaining. Somehow you're telling me that this guy's death on the cross is beneficial for me? That doesn't make any sense at all. And then third, you're going to tell me he resurrected from the dead. Nobody does that. That's bonkers. Right, so I just want you to sit in that for a second. I, wanna, I don't want to move through this too quickly. I want to allow God's word to kind of press in on us this morning and ask that question like, which group am I in? And don't just assume because you're here this morning what group you're in. Like, is the message of the cross, is it powerful to you? Does it make your heart beat a little faster? Like, is there a part of you that's just like, I know it doesn't make sense, but I think it's glorious? Or is there a part of you that considers it to be foolish? Like, man, allow God's word to, to press in on you this morning. Let's look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and understanding of those who have understanding, I will confound, right? In verse 19, the Apostle Paul is making a reference, an illustration through an Old Testament reference of 2 Kings chapter 18. And in 2 Kings chapter 18, Israel is being attacked by an Assyrian empire, a stronger force. And so the king of Israel sees the threat and consults the, the wise people of his day. And the wise people of his day say, you should make a pact with Egypt so as to defend yourself against this threat from the Assyrian Empire. And so the illustration is drawn out of destroying the wisdom of the day is because why? Right? You have in one hand the power of God, creator of all things, to protect Israel, or you have the power of Egypt. And humanity, in all their wisdom, went with the power of Egypt. So, so even when humanity considers the cross to be foolish, verse 19 is beginning to bring out this idea, like, should we really put our trust in the wisdom of humanity? Look at verse 20. It continues this idea. It says, where is the wise person? This is God's word talking trash. Like, where, where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? Right? Where, where, where are you at? Right? God's word does something similar to this in Job chapter 38, when Job is complaining right, to the God of all creation. Why'd you do this? Shouldn't have done it this way. Why'd you do it that way? And God responds, uh, where were you when I created all things? No, please tell me what it's like to speak creation into existence. That's what he does in Job chapter 38. Where were you when I said to the waters, this far you shall go, but no further? Where were you when I hung the stars? Right? That's what he's doing. Where, where is the wise person? I mean, seriously, ask that self. Like, we're supposed to be at the height of technology, education. Like, this is the cream of the crop of humanity. Where is the wise? Like Brene Brown? Like, I mean, she's great. Jordan Peterson? I mean, some good self-help tips there. But is that the best we got? Like, where, where is the wise person of the day? Where is the scribe? That's the religious leader. 
right? We're, what, what, what religious leader do we have around today that's doing something better than the cross? Like every religious leader throughout human history has like a checklist of things you have to do, and maybe it'll work out for you. The cross says, like, I, I do everything, and you get it all, right? What's better? What, what religious leader is better than that? Right, where's the, the debater? That's the politician. Like, what, what politician is, is leading with such skill and wisdom that it's creating transformation in our community today? Like, seriously, that's the, it's talking trash. Like, why, why would we think we're so wise to say to the cross, it's foolish? Like, we are a people who struggle to balance a checking account. Like, that's just like, we lose our keys. How many times do we lose our keys? Right? You know, do you know how many times I've misplaced the remote control for the TV? While I'm lying in the bed. Like I was just using the remote control, and then I'm like, where'd it go? Like I can't find it. Like I have to get out of bed, and I'm like looking under sheets. Like I can't even keep track of a remote control that I was just using. I've lost it. Like that's, that's what humanity's bringing to the table. So he said, well, where, where were you? What have you done? That's so great that you would look at what God has done and consider it to be foolish. We take our, 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 our college education. Well, I got a master's. I went to college. You know, I went to college. <laughs> like, I took a philosophy class. Like, I listened to a podcast. I can speak to all of creation because I read this philosophy book that was published in 2016. Like... That's what God's word is like. Are we really, is humanity really the one that can determine what's wise and what's foolish? He presses on in verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. I mean, verse 21 might be a little confusing. So just focus on this phrase, did not come to know God. I did not come to know God. Like, like humanity, think, I mean, we're supposed to be at the height of our ability, of technology, of education. We have incredible gifts in humanity of, of research and reading and, and philosophy and math and art and science, and medicine, like, we could do some pretty cool things. We put people on the moon and get them back, and, and, and the, you know, Tesla, you know, whatever you think about Elon, but like, that's, that's amazing, like, some of the stuff that we've created in humanity, and so yet, in this sphere of life, like, we have the capacity to do great things, and yet, when it comes to our conversations about God, about creator, we come to conclusions like he doesn't exist. That's what like that's the like that's the conclusion that God's a myth. That, that God's a myth? I, or 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 we consider ourselves God. That's probably what's most common in our culture today. We worship ourselves, right? Right? Even though there's, there's all these things that I know that I'm, I can't do, I'm foolish, I'm incompetent, what I should probably do is commit my life to worshiping me. 
you, what? I mean, the, Romans 1 draws this out with creation. That humanity is walking past the glory of God every day and we don't see it. It says his divine nature is singing out to us. His eternal power, the complexity and the beauty of creation alone combined with our research capabilities would conclude that there must be some type of creator. But our brightest minds conclude we probably just spontaneously combusted. That's, that's, that's probably what happened. Like, that, that makes as much sense as me walking down the sidewalk, seeing an iPhone, and the beauty of the complexity of an iPhone, and thinking to myself, you know what probably happened? A lot of wind and some rain. I mean, a lot of it. And, you know, and then like billions of years. If you, like, because the longer you go, you don't know what could have happened over billions and billions and billions of years. And then that, that's probably how this iPhone came about. So that's what he's saying in 21. He's like, you consider this to be foolish? Well, see, what I'm going to do is, is God's saying this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to work in the most foolish of ways in your eyes so that what? It only brings more glory to him. It only brings more glory to him. And so then he illustrates it with Basically, two snapshots of humanity in verses 22 to 23. It says, For indeed, the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentile foolishness. Think about that. How, Jew and Gentile, this is all of humanity. How is the cross, the message of the cross, a stumbling block for the Jew? I mean, the Jew and their wisdom was looking for a a savior that was powerful. I mean, in their eyes, in the eyes of a, a, a Jew, like, yeah, this savior, this Messiah, he's going to come powerfully. And he's going to overthrow Rome. He's, go, he's going to position Israel at the top of its food chain again. And so when you present the message of the cross as a savior who dies, well, that didn't make any sense. It was a stumbling block. It's foolishness to the Gentile because the Greeks... Well, they, they wanted somebody who was powerful, the same way we, we do today. Like, we don't want to put our money behind this, this schmo over here. We want, like, a real winner. Like, that's what we're looking for, right? Somebody that's with a little panache. Yeah, that's what we, we get excited about. And so when you present the message of the cross as being born of a teenage girl in a manger as a baby, yeah. I don't think so. So keep that in mind, church family. As, you, as you're listening to the message of the cross, as you're, as you're communicating the word of the cross to other people, there's two types of people. We're either going to see the, the power of God being put on display or, or we're going to see it as foolishness. And so he goes to verse 24. He says, but to those who are the called... Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But to those who are the call, right? If you've been tracking with us through this series, this is the fourth time he's mentioned this, this idea of being called, right? It's not a telephone call, right? It's, 
So I missed it. Uh, you know, so I was busy. It's not, a, it's not like that type of calling. It's a summoning. But to those who are the call, because in and of our, our human intellect, we, we would never conclude uh, at the cross. And, and so there has to be some type of calling, right? It's a summoning. The creator. He's going to call. He's going to call you. He's going to open your eyes he's, to see the, the power in the message of the cross, right? Because you see that through this flow of this passage, that humanity is never going to end at the cross in and of themselves. Like, humanity is never going to conclude that there's power in the cross. It's always going to be a stumbling block. It's always going to be foolishness unless the Spirit of God opens our eyes, right? It's because of our sin. It's Ephesians chapter 2 that we're spiritually dead into our sin. It's Genesis chapter 3 that they did eat from the tree, that the world is broken, that we're darkened in our thinking, that we're not going to be able to figure it out on our own unless the Spirit of God illuminates our eyes. That's what happens with every one of us. If there's any of us in this room who consider the, the message of the cross to be powerful, then at some point in our life, it was foolishness, the cross was foolishness. It was moronic. And then the Spirit of God began to pierce our hearts and create a curiosity where maybe we think we became interested, but it was the Spirit of God that began to move us to his word, to talk to that friend, to walk into a worship service, to begin to ask questions and begin to show us the, the depth of our sin and that it isn't just behavior. It's, just, it's in our thoughts. It's in our words and that, 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 that our sin is so dark and, and devastating and how could we possibly recover from that unless the cross rescues us and lifts our eyes, the spirit begins to lift our eyes to the cross either through people or through his word or through dreams and visions if he has to but he begins to unload and unpack the, the message of the gospel so that our our lives are, are eternally changed. Praise God, we're the called. If, you, if you're in here this morning and you land in that group where you see the message of the cross to be powerful, then be encouraged. Even if you find it slightly powerful, even if there's a curiosity about you in the cross, it's because the Spirit of God is working in your life. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> now, it's possible I'm sure some of us are sitting there and thinking to ourselves, well, what about those who are perishing? Right? We saw that in, in verse 18. For those who it's, it's foolishness, there's, that we're perishing. And so well, what, what, what are we supposed to, to do to that? What, 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 if we, what if we do find the message of the cross to be foolish? So our, our response to that this morning is what? Well, we know from the passage we can't argue somebody into the power of the cross. Right? We can't get fog machines on the stage and better musicians and better lights and work somebody up emotionally to convince them that the cross is powerful. Right? Really common in our culture today is that we have to adapt Right? This is what's happening in Christianity right now. There's this idea that if we don't, if we don't somehow 
pivot, if we don't bend, if we don't adapt the message of the cross, we're going to lose people. You can't adapt enough to try to gain people. The cross is foolishness until he opens our eyes. So we pray. We pray. We proclaim. We proclaim. We trust. Right? We trust. We proclaim. We proclaim over and over. And we know that people are going to consider us foolish when we go to work tomorrow morning. When we talk to our family member, we're talking to a neighbor, they hear about the cross, we know they're going to be consi- it's going to be considered foolishness. That's why in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul uses the language, well, then we'll be fools for Christ. We'll be fools for Christ. And so we pray, we proclaim, and we proclaim, and we trust. That's what we do. That's how we respond. Right? For the, to those who are perishing, there should be an urgency about us. It's a big deal. We, we pray, we proclaim, and we proclaim, and we do that over and over and over when they're young, when they're old, at work, over dinner, over and over. We proclaim, we pray, and we trust. We do that over and over. And we're trusting all the while that when the Lord's right time, he'll open eyes. He'll open hearts. Like I got to show you this morning, if you're here this morning, the Lord is absolutely working in your life. He's calling you to himself. You wouldn't be here otherwise. You just wouldn't. If you're watching online, you're watching a video on God's word. That's evidence that you're being called. If you're thinking about the things of God, that's evidence that you're being called. And so I would say to you that if you're here, if you're watching, if you're listening, then turn from the foolish of humanity wisdom and turn to the wisdom of God because look at how it ends in verse 25 he says in verse 25 for the foolishness of God is wiser than mankind and the weakness of God is stronger than mankind it's kind of funny way to say it because there's really not a foolishness about God there's not a weakness about God but he's trying to draw a contrast like if you took the weakest part of God's glory if you took the most foolish part of God's wisdom, it's still significantly better than the wisdom of humanity. He's just drawing a contrast. So hear that, church family. When you show up to work, when you're talking to your neighbor, when you're praying for your extended family member or your friend, know that you are walking in the power of God. When you're struggling through problems in your marriage, or you're not sure how circumstances are going to unfold, remember, you're in the power of God. Like, if he's gone through all of this, if he's called you to himself, you think he's going to stop now? If you find yourself in a place of despair and anxiety and discouragement, don't lose heart. The power of God is upon you. He's working. He's going to finish. Trust in him. Do that this morning. Will you close your eyes? Will you bow your heads?